My name is Catherine Sherwinka. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast where we highlight the strength of our city, the spirit of our people, and share your stories of compassion. Welcome to another episode of Compassionate Las Vegas. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and today's journey is incredible. You are truly in for a treat. The guest today is someone that you may not have heard of, but you definitely should have. Catherine Sherwanka is a successful entrepreneur, a globally recognized spiritual mental health and wellness guide, a workshop facilitator, and a mentor for the youth. She has led thousands of people through transformational experiences, both in person as well as virtually. She focuses on bringing balance and stability into the body, mind, spirit. Most recently, she has been pioneering a recovery wellness program for the first responders of the 1 October incident in Las Vegas and started a 501c3 nonprofit called Inner Peace for the Children in hope of bringing meditation to the youth. Her passion is to help guide people on how to go from living in a stressful state into living in a beautiful state. Catherine is the published author of PTSD and a Drug-Free Me, Get Real About Handling Trauma Without Abusing Drugs, Alcohol, and or Prescription Meds. And she spends much of her time guiding and facilitating meditations and workshops around the world. She is also a certified Kundalini yoga instructor and weaves this powerful practice into her work. Stay tuned through the end of this episode because she takes us on a guided meditation journey like nothing I've ever experienced and you don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for tuning in and without further ado, let's get into it. Catherine, I am so grateful that you are joining us today. This is your moment. And I say that because of your experience with leading people through trauma. This time that we're living in, I don't think people really understand or are ready to grasp the significance of the moment we're in. And so the work that you have done in the past and that you will clearly do in the future is so vital and I'm just grateful to have the opportunity to help amplify that voice and that message for the world to hear and particularly for our friends here in Las Vegas. Thank you, Will. I'm really honored to be here with you today and trauma is something that's becoming more and more common, it seems, in our world and I feel grateful that I can help people through it because it's, it's something that can change your life. So. Well, I have a few questions for you. The first one is the hardest by far. Who are you and how do you define compassion? That is a tough question. Who am I? I am um, a human being that is on earth to continually show up to be the best version of myself that I possibly can which requires me to live with as much awareness and compassion as possible, moment by moment. I, um, I lived in New York City during 9-11 and was engaged to be married. Kind of thought I had the whole American dream life figured out 
had a lot of um, external success, traveled all over, was, was very fulfilled, so I thought. And when 9-11 hit, it obviously tore people apart or brought people closer together. And for me, it was a huge, huge wake-up call where I started to dive a little bit deeper into asking those types of questions like, what's the purpose? Why are we here? There's got to be a deeper meaning to all of this other than what I had been experiencing up until that point. Um, my fiance at the time lost probably 25 of his closest friends from business school. I lost my college roommate and it changed everyone's life. I mean, every person on this planet remembers where they were on that day. And from that moment on, I kind of made an internal commitment to to um, to, like I said earlier, become the best version of myself, to show up in a way that can help myself as well as others, um, to live with a more compassionate heart. And that's that kind of began my studies for the last eighteen years on the inner world is what I like to call it. You know, a lot of us are very focused on the external world. You're going to hear me talk a little bit today more about the inner world and what's happening internally with regard to our thought, feeling, and emotion and how that affects our day-to-day -day reality and experience of life. <clears throat> I called off my wedding in New York City. I, I couldn't do it, and I moved to Montana and went back to school. and. Uh, kind of to keep a long story short, ended up at an academy in India where I've studied for the last 16 years. I lived there for three years volunteering. Um, I thought I was going to become a monk at one point. That's how kind of dedicated and devoted I became to helping myself and humanity. But after being there about three years, realized that I'm better suited to be out here with the people, working with people, interacting with people and helping people. So um, it kind of came full circle when the one October shooting happened here in Las Vegas. At that point in my life, I was kind of traveling around the world teaching and facilitating a lot of workshops, retreats, healing, meditation, trauma meditation. And I got a phone call from one of my dear sister friends that said, hey, um, the first responders need help. Can you come in? And I came thinking that it would be for a couple weeks or a couple months and ended up growing into a beautiful wellness program for the first responder community here in Las Vegas that we're hoping could someday become a beta program for the country um, to bring in kind of alternative modalities to help facilitate healing on a deeper level. And I don't even like to always talk about the healing aspect, it's really to help us be the best version of a human being every day. Like, how am I gonna show up every day? So here I am now in Las Vegas, two and a half years later, and really enjoying Las Vegas, really loving the community here, getting to know the community here, which has been um, surprisingly uplifting on many levels. I've met some very, beautiful, powerful people here that I look at Las Vegas and 
I can see why we are compassionate Las Vegas because there is a foundation here of consciousness of, of awake people that are on a mission to help kind of spread the compassion, spread the love, spread the kindness, not only here in our community and in our state, but in our country and in our world. So that is so true. And that was one of the things that surprised me most when I moved here, I think now six years, somewhere around there. And yeah. I, I did not realize that this is really a Mecca of sorts for those that are in consciousness. So how do you define compassion itself? What does that mean to you? It's, I love this question. I love the word compassion because I feel there's so many concepts around the word. And for me, through my experience of compassion, when I, you know, growing up, I grew up Catholic and, and in that religious belief system, there's a lot of um, concepts that are kind of given to you to live by or abide by. And so compassion for me then was, I think more what empathy is, which is feeling sorry for, or um, um, wishing it would be different than what it was for the person that's suffering. And through my evolution and transformation and my studies with regard to the inner world, our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, what I've come to realize what compassion is, is when we truly feel the connection with another human being through our heart. And because I have had the experience, let's say, of losing a loved one, when I sit with a dear sister who has just lost a loved one, because I've had that experience myself, I can truly, truly drop into my heart on a deep, deep level and feel what the other human being is feeling. And for me, that's what compassion is. It's, it's when I've had the experience myself that I'm truly able to feel what the other person is going through. If somebody's having a difficult, stressful time, and I have not had that experience myself, I can definitely express compassion and love and kindness, but it's coming from more of a mindset from what my concept is around compassion. Mm -hmm. I hope this is making sense. When I've had the experience myself and it's inside my cells and my body, <clears throat> I feel the word compassion gets deeper, more profound, and that connection between me and the other is stronger. So it's almost like a experiential compassion versus an intellectual compassion. Exactly, Will. That's exactly what it is. I think that's brilliant. We haven't had that one come up yet. So thank you for introducing that. Now, your journey has brought you from 9-11 to 10-1. Now yeah. we're at COVID-19. This is the last time I heard 10 or 12 9-11s in one as far as the loss of life is concerned. And it's unprecedented as far as our country experiencing a complete and really total shutdown, and not just our country, but really the world itself has pressed pause. What should people be doing in this moment as we have perhaps time <laughs> that we didn't have in the past 
And some of us, of course, are a bit more busy than we were. But for those that do have additional time and maybe are feeling some anxiety or dis-ease at the prospects of the future, what should they be doing right now? Will, I, I don't know how popular I'll be in saying this, but when this all started, I felt immense joy and almost celebration because of the pause that it is giving us as a human species right now. And my, my desire, my intention, my prayer is that people are really taking advantage of this opportunity to move inward. Um, like I was saying about New York City when I lived there, I was very externally focused. And I, I believe and feel we live in a culture that is very externally focused, which is okay. What I'm hoping is that this time that we're being given, this pause, people will make the conscious choice to look inside and to really see what's happening internally. We live in a world right now that, you know, stress and anxiety is, the World Health Organization says that by 2030, depression and anxiety are gonna become a pandemic, an epidemic. It's gonna, it's, that's how prevalent it is in our world right now. And the reason for this is, we have kind of an image um, of how we should be as a human being, a kind, loving, caring human being that's always happy, that's always sweet and kind and loving. But when we get triggered or when we feel maybe some of the negative emotions like anger, frustration, jealousy, lust, um, comparison, competition, because we're kind of conditioned to not feel those or those are bad feelings, we're really quick to stuff that, those emotions down. And as we keep stuffing down these emotions, it's creating a constant disturbance deep within our being. If we're not able to allow and process and experience the full spectrum of human thought, feeling, and emotion, which is all the good as well as all the bad, and we keep repressing and pushing it down, we are constantly going to have this underlying feeling of anxiety. So am I hearing you say that right now people should embrace the anxiety, should embrace the uncertainty, and even depression to an extent? It's, it's something that I hope people acknowledge is there and say, yes, I am feeling anxious right now feel the anxiety that's happening, and then take some kind of measure to, to shift it, which could be counseling, which could be um, meditation, which could be physical movement. A lot of us, we kind of hold it in our bodies. And you'll notice so many people right now going on walks and going out, to, you know, you see the parks and they're crowded and the more we can move our physical bodies and kind of move that disturbance throughout, it helps us to kind of dissipate the anxiety through the body, the better off we're all going to be. Unfortunately, we want a quick fix, which oftentimes might come in the form of a prescription medication, drugs, alcohol, um, shopping. We have all these distractions externally that kind of get rid of it quickly. And yet you wake up the next morning and you feel even worse. So my hope, my passion, my dream is that we actually say, 
okay, I have anxiety right now. I'm feeling anxious. I feel uncomfortable. What can I do to make myself come back into a state of balance, back into a state of peace and calm and connection? And for each one of us, Will, that's going to be different. For some people, meditation is their jam. That's how I am. It's my medication. I love it. It's what I do all day. (laughs) Other people think of sitting in meditation and it makes their mind go crazy. So those are the people that maybe need to go for a run and make make running their meditation or puzzles, make puzzling your meditation, something that's going to bring your mind into full awareness and presence of what is happening right now in front of you. The only reason why we experience suffering and anxiety and depression is when the mind constantly has us in the past, which is regret, shame, guilt, or we are in the future, which is fear, anxiety, worry, doubt. If our mind is constantly in the past or the future, not allowing us to be in the present moment, that's when we feel the disturbance. So right now with COVID-19, the enormous amount of people that are freaking out about our future is palatable. And it's in our collective field. So all of us are feeling it to some degree, some of us more than others, depending on our circumstance. Yeah, I, w- I want to hone in on what you just said with that collective field. A lot of people don't necessarily recognize our true interconnectedness. But I think that in this, this pandemic, we're starting to see we're not as isolated as we perhaps thought we were or were delusional enough to think we were. Um, One thing that I've shared with a lot of folks lately is we used to think we were roommates or excuse me, we were neighbors on this planet, but we're finding out we're more like roommates sharing one home. So can you talk a bit about our independence or the illusion of independence and our true interconnectedness? Thank you for bringing that up, Will. It's another one of my passions and it's, it's why we have war and conflict in our world is because of this concept or misbelief that we're separate from one another. When we start to peel away the layers of belief systems, education, socioeconomic background, your family upbringing, your friends, your career, your social status, when you start to peel all of that away, which is hard to do, at the foundation is human. We're all human. And COVID-19, That's why I was so excited because I'm like, maybe everybody's going to finally realize the interconnection because there's not one human on this planet right now that's not being affected by this. Every single human is being affected. Every single human is thinking about it. And so it's gone beyond all barriers of what I just said. And it's brought us down to the human foundational level where we are brothers and sisters. Like you're saying, we are roommates right? We're not just neighbors. And I can already see what it's doing. Well, I mean, I, I was walking last week and somebody drove by. I didn't know who they were. And I looked and they looked at me and they actually waved and smiled. And I, I was going to post it on social media because yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, we're smiling and waving at each other again. This is outstanding. It's amazing. <laughs> it really is amazing. And it's so I feel that it's kind of dissolving the barriers or the cover-ups that we've all kind of hidden behind, we've pretended with, and it's bringing us back home to our true authentic 
self, which is human. And I'm my, you know, my hope is that we look into each other's eyes more, we smile at each other more, we feel for the other human more. Today's Earth Day, I'm praying that we feel more connected to the Earth and that we take care of her. Um, it's crucial. And what an opportunity we're being given right now. It's I just keep holding in my heart that everybody takes advantage of this opportunity and does their own work because if each one of us does our own inner work, that's what's going to help the collective, that interconnection. I think of each human being on this planet and our own separate consciousness mm -hmm. as like humanity's human body and the collective consciousness. And so if each one of us as an individual focuses on keeping ourselves in a healthy, balanced, calm, connected state, my cell of the collective human, humanity's body is going to be healthy, strong, and vital, and it's going to help the whole. I love that. And you, you actually took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you about that piece, which is if we fail to do our own inner work, if we are in a state of dis-ease or, or anxious or um, at you know what I'm trying to say, if we're not well, that yeah. does impact others. So the energy that we put out absolutely impacts even those that don't consider themselves to be empathic, they are still affected because of what we do as individuals. So can you, can you kind of elaborate and expound on that a bit? You know, well, it, it brings up the topic of um, being selfish, which, is has such a bad you know it leaves such a bad taste in our mouth when we hear the word selfish and selfishness you know is greedy it's self-centric thinking it's thinking all about me and i and yet when i look at humanity's state right now i feel the need for each one of us to to get a little selfish and to to take some time for yourself to go inside and to do the inner work to clean up what is there right and you know for we can't even we can't help our families we can't be a good partner to our wife or husband or or lover we can't be a good standing citizen in our community if we ourselves are not in a connected beautiful state so you know, I just, I can't emphasize enough to people the importance of constantly checking in with yourself moment to moment. From what state am I operating from right now? Am I coming from a disconnected, stressful, anxious, depressed state? And I'm going to make this decision? Or do I feel really calm, connected, clear, conscious, and I'm going to make the decision from that point? So often we get wrapped up in the anxiety. Mm -hmm. and the fear and the worry and we make our decisions from that place and it perpetuates disorder it perpetuates what you don't want in life if we were able to become more and more conscious in every moment more and more aware and constantly be asking yourself that question what state am i in right now what am i feeling what am i really feeling 
And if you're feeling calm and connected and empowered and passionate and compassionate, beautiful. Then make your choice, make your decision from that state. But if you find that you're not and you're stressed, pause. Take a pause, do a practice, meditate, do a puzzle, do something to bring your mind back to neutrality. Mm-hmm. I like to call shunya, bring it back to the center and then make your choice. Yeah, I think that's important, that pause to, to get back to center, to become present, to become aware. I did something yesterday completely unconsciously. I was visiting a friend, unfortunately, attempting to visit at the hospital and they just lost a loved one. But I actually was not allowed in. And so on my way back, of course, I wasn't present. I wasn't conscious in that moment. I was, I was in that grief. And I found myself trying to open their car door. And I'm like, why is this not opening? And then it hit me like, this is not my car. This is their car. So just taking a moment to pause and to be present, I think is so important. Do you think that our mental state also makes us more susceptible to something like COVID-19? Or how does that part of it work? I love your questions, Will. I absolutely think our mental state has a lot to do with it because of the mind-body connection, which science backs up over and over and over again. Our, Our mental state will be reflected in our physical body. Our physical state will be reflected into our mental state. And if our mental state is constant fear, worry, dread, guilt, shame, um, anxiety, depression, that 100% is going to cause a breakdown in your immune system. And your mind is kind of telling the body, it's not okay. We're not okay. And instead of all systems working in harmony together to create wealth, wealth and health and um, vitality and radiance, it's going to start to break down. It's going to start breaking down the immune system. That's when you start to get sick. You're more susceptible. So the mental state is very, very important. And it brings me back to, can we constantly be asking ourselves what's going on internally right now? What am I feeling right now? We are a culture that is so systematic and robotic. The hardest part I tell people, Will, when I'm working with my clients is to, to stop. The hardest part is that pause. Yeah. Because the mind is strong. And when we're in the grief or we're in the stress, we just want to keep going, going, going. But no, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do it right. The hardest thing is to step back, stop, pause. What's happening? What am I feeling in my body? And to do whatever needs to happen from that place to bring you back into equanimity. Now, you wrote a, a book that kind of deals with some of this, I, I would imagine. I think there are six steps, and this is, your, your book title is PTSD and a Drug-Free Me. Is that right? Yes. Perfect. And you made the D lowercase. Can you talk kind of through why you did that, how the book came about, and maybe give us a highlight and overview of some of those steps? Okay. Um, so the lowercase d I did because PTSD is known as a disorder. And I feel that when people get in their mental state that I have a disorder, it instantly starts the breakdown of 
your mental courage, empowerment to be able to get better. And so I like to drop the D, the disorder. And I recently heard somebody say PTSG for- Oh, I love that. Post-traumatic stress growth. Yes. Because trauma and PTSD are, I believe in what I've witnessed, such an opportunity to grow. It can be, it's, it's a blessing. It's, I feel that trauma and, you know, the hard times in life are when there are opportunities for us to do that inner work and to come out of it just shining even that much brighter. Um, of course, there are extreme cases. I think PTSD for many people has always been war veterans, rape victims. It's been very extreme. And Yet you look at our world in the last 10 years at the amount of shootings that are happening and the amount of fear that is becoming more and more normal in our collective field, in our consciousness. The day-to-day during this epidemic, it's creating this. Exactly. And so for me, PTSD is on a spectrum and... Of course, we have those extreme cases, but I think we have many more people walking around with PTSD and trauma than people give credit to. And, you know, trauma can be from the first time your parents smacked you on the butt when you did something wrong, or it can be when you were 10 years old and you fell off your bike and you broke your arm. I mean, that's trauma, right? And how we deal with it how our parents help us deal with it is going to leave a long lasting blueprint in our bodies and our systems. And if it's not fully experienced and processed in a healthy manner, it creates kind of a program in our system that we then kind of run, run by. And before we know it, we're 35 years old and we have all these programs or filters that we're seeing life through that have nothing to do with the reality we're living, right? It's it's because of all the past hurt, pain, and trauma that we're seeing through I that we're not even there for a second. I think that okay. that is so important for people to realize, particularly in this moment, because we're not seeing things as they are. We're really seeing them as we are or as we've taken on. And so I love how you call it a program because that's another kind of more... I guess, millennial way for us to look at a worldview. It's a program that's just running. It's automated versus going back to being present. So please continue. The program thing is, um, it's real. And I feel that COVID-19 is bringing us an opportunity to upgrade our systems, if we're going to talk in those terms. Yes. So I'm praying that we upgrade our systems right now because it's ripe for it. But um, so the trauma piece it's a bittersweet, right? It's, a, it's unfortunate that it's happening in our world the way that it is. And yet it is what it is. So let's deal with what we got going on in the world. And from that place, do what we need to do to keep us in that state of connection, that state of compassion. And the book came, I knew I was going to write a book someday after 9-11 happened. Um, my mother is a writer and always wanted to publish a book. She wrote for many different publications, but she never actually wrote a book. And one October happened and I thought, I have 9-11, I have one October, 
I got a, what am I putting in between? And two and a half years ago, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I knew at that moment that I needed to write the book. I needed to, it was, I dedicated it to my mother and it came through quickly what needed to go in the middle. Um, so the book begins with my story of one of 9-11 and then I take people through what I call the stable process getting you from a place of anxiety, dis-ease, um, not feeling grounded, not feeling like you're in a thriving state in your life. And I take you through a six-step process. STABLE is an acronym to stop, take inventory, have awareness, be connected, let go and forgive, and you elevate. So that's- going to hashtag that. So we're going to do hashtag STABLE for you. Thank you. Um, and then I wrap up the book with the one October and how I've kind of come full circle with this work. And that's what I do. I work with clients on Zoom pretty much all day, every day, helping them through an eight week journey, um, using the stable process and getting them from that state of feeling, you know, very disconnected and not thriving and empowered. And I bring them through the stable process and get them equipped with a lot of different tools and wisdom and techniques that you can take a water to the horse, but you can't make the horse drink the water. That is so so cool. I always tell my clients, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff here to work with, but you got to do it yourself. Like if you want to feel empowered and back in your body and back in your healthy mental state, you got to apply. You got to, it's a practice. and just like we all spend a lot of time going to the gym and building our bicep muscles, right? Oh, we have I to miss do that. the gym right now. Oh my goodness. I can't tell you how much I miss it. I know. But we're all very committed to that. And yet, where's our commitment to the, to the inner gym, you know, the inner fitness, the inner workout? Why yeah. is that not as important as the external? Mm-hmm. Because we have the the potential with our brain to create new neural pathways in the brain that take us from that stressful, disconnected place and instead back into a state of calm and connection. But you got to do the workout. You got to do the meditations. You got to do the practices. You got to do some breathing techniques that will literally change the brain. There's a lot of science behind it um, that will change your reaction that comes from stress in a certain situation when you're triggered and instead give you that pause and allow you to respond. Same situation, but the old programming, you're going to react in stress. The new upgraded system, you're going to respond with kindness, compassion, love, and connection. So instead of reacting, we're building up our inner muscles to be able to respond. Exactly. Love that. Love, love that. So I kind of want to ask you for something tangible, something practical that our listeners and viewers can use starting today to exercise those muscles. So what is a compassionate practice that they can start utilizing at this moment? So there's a great three-minute practice that I highly recommend for people. Um, It's called Serene Mind, and it's... It's a, the reason I like it is because it's only three minutes and it's, it's a short little guided meditation 
we could do it now if you wanted to, Will. I'd love to. Would you walk us through that? Sure. I'd be happy to. Thank you. And it's a practice you want to do anytime that you catch yourself in that stressful, anxious, ridden state of mind. Again, the hardest part is to stop and pause and sit your butt down and do the practice. Sometimes I have to do this two or three times before I find myself really back into that state of calm. Okay. So we'll gently close our eyes. And if you're not comfortable, if you don't feel safe closing the eyes, you can just keep them one-tenth of the way open and just have a soft gaze in front of you. And just sit comfortable in your seat with your feet on the floor, feeling the earth beneath you, feeling your sit bones in your seat. And we'll begin by taking three deep conscious breaths in and out through the nose, taking a nice deep breath in all the way into your belly. Exhaling the breath out. Deep breath in. Exhale the breath out. One more time, deep breath into the belly. And let it out. And now I want you to bring your awareness to your thinking. And I want you to see the direction of your thoughts. Do they have you in the past, which is regret, shame, guilt, depression? Or is your thinking in the future, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt? There's no judgment here. You're just becoming aware of your thinking. Where is it right now? And once you've figured out the direction of your thinking, I then want you to feel the emotion that's arising inside of you. Again, that emotion is connected to the thought. And it's very helpful if we can name that emotion. What is it that I'm feeling right now? Is it disappointment? Is it unfulfillment? Is it anxiety? What emotion are you experiencing? Disappointment. And then I want you to visualize a tiny little golden flame of light, like the light of a candle, right between your eyebrows. And if you can't visualize it, try to feel a golden light right there. And if you can't feel it, just think it. And then visualizing that tiny little golden flame of light, feeling it or thinking it, watching it slowly move back into the center of your brain. Taking a deep breath in, 
exhaling through the mouth. Gently coming back to the space when you're ready. Wow. Amazing. I didn't even know I needed that right now, but thank you. That was, I feel stable. Good. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, it's effective. It yeah. works. And I've, I've done other practices. I've never done that one, but I will be incorporating that in, in my routine going forward. So really appreciate you sharing that. You're welcome, Will. So to wrap us up, I can't think of a better way to end than that, but I've got to ask you for a few more things. How can people get in contact with you? How can they connect with you and the work that you're doing? Um, email is great. It's info at katherineshawinka.com. I'm on Facebook, which is my name, Katherine Shawinka. I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter. I have a YouTube channel, all under my name. Awesome. So in summary, in one or two words or one or two sentences, how are you embodying compassion in Las Vegas and in the world today? I get myself into a very connected state and really drop into my heart and open myself up to feel, to feel what's happening here in Las Vegas, to feel what's happening on a collective scale. And because I stay in a connected state, it does not bring me down. It actually elevates me to feel that connection, even though the connection right now oftentimes is that of suffering. There's so many people suffering right now. But because I'm in that connected space, when I connect in, I feel like it helps to elevate. And that's my contribution to the world right now is to keep myself in a, a good state, a good mental, healthy state. And in doing so, I'm compassionately, lovingly helping humanity, helping Las Vegas. I love Las Vegas. We'll leave it right there. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Will. It's my pleasure. This has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Thank you for listening. This episode was made possible by the Jameson Foundation in partnership with the Moonridge Group. There are so many amazing things happening and so many people have inspirational stories to share. So if you are one of those people, this is your platform. Email me at will at winningwithwill.com. Use the subject line compassionate LV and let me know your story. I'd love to have you on the show or to feature your story in a future episode. Be sure to subscribe and if you haven't already, leave a five-star review. Your review and rating helps others to find this podcast and helps to further the mission to make the world a more compassionate place. I also want you to share your practices for compassion. Today, Catherine shared the importance of taking a pause so that we can respond compassionately. We want to share what you are doing too, so we would love for you to include your compassionate practice tip with your five-star review. Love and compassion aren't luxuries, they are necessities. Live the golden rule and treat others the way you would want to be treated. Together, we can make a difference. 
Together, we will make the world a more compassionate place. Know that you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Be well, my friends, and we will meet again on the next episode of Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Thank you.